Welcome to the New Nurse Podcast. I'm Nurse Meg. And I'm Nurse M. Hey, Em. Hello. How's it going? It is going. We are recording on, gosh, what is today? A Friday before Monday. So if you're listening on Monday, I hope it's still as beautiful on Monday as it is today. Oh, I know. It's really nice right now. It's all the springtime feels. Yes. I so love it. Yes. Um, but I think there's more rain coming in too. Not to be I, like, yes, I know, I know. Adam um, gave me the look today when I was like, "But April showers bring May flowers." <laughs> like nobody wants to hear it. He's <laughs> like, "Stop talking." <laughs> um, my stepson gets married on Sunday with an outside wedding, so we are like praying away any rain clouds. I think it's going to be okay by Sunday, but I'm just, you know. Yeah, you're always kind of nervous until it's actually happening because it can always change. Yes, we'll be praying over here. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So, super fun randomness today. You already know because I sent you a picture. But yes. Lauren and Anna, if you guys are listening, so nice meeting you today. You guys are just the best. So I got a chance to. Okay, so um, you didn't like hear the story though. No, um, I didn't. So I went into work today and, you know, there are these two like CRNA students there helping with IDs and things like that. And Anna and I connected because she still works at Lancaster General. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. And like, you know, all the things, all the people like we're just doing the, the whole game of like, who's who? Do you know this person? Do you know that person? Do you know what I'm saying? And like, right. just so sweet. I like so enjoyed her. Which, like, if you're uh, not from our area, LGH is a Lancaster hospital, like a well-known. Yes. Thanks for saying that because I just say it and, like, don't even think anything about it. Like, yes. obviously, everybody knows what Lancaster General is, um, a.k.a. Penn Medicine. So you probably have heard at least of Penn. Um, so then she's, like, talking to this other girl, Lauren, and I was sharing with Anna about our topic today that we're launching into, which is narrative medicine. And I was like, have you heard about this? And she's like, no, like, tell me about this. And so Lauren comes over and she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know your co-host. And I was like, you know, M? she's like, oh my gosh, I heard your voice. And I knew that I knew your voice. <laughs> and it's because I listened to your podcast and I've been on the podcast. Yes. So, Lauren shared a little bit of her story. It was a So yeah. So I was re-listening to Lauren's story on my ride home because I was like, oh gosh, that was like in August. I kind of forgot like bits and pieces of it, but you have shared about Lauren before. Yes. Um, so just a really fun, like full circle moment. Wasn't expecting to meet either one of them and Aww. I just felt so blessed getting the chance to actually like cross paths with them so yes that is awesome it made my heart so happy when I got the selfie um yes yeah, so Lauren and I promptly took a selfie and sent it to Em <laughs> look who I found it, it was, was wonderful it was just lovely and they yeah just bright little spots in the universe and you know I think sometimes in the midst of our greater purpose for this podcast um, because a lot of us are feeling quite defeated in spaces in our life and especially within the profession at times, I think it's just so nice when you have those interactions with others and like, remember how many really good hearted, good natured individuals are still showing up every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like darkness doesn't get to win. 
Um, and so I think every time, and Lauren, part of her story. So if you guys haven't heard the August 16th episode, then I would invite you to go back and check it out because you'll better be able to understand the people that we're talking about right now. But also, um, Lauren immediately was sharing with me, um, like those pieces of how she knew you. And the minute she started sharing, I was like, Oh, I know this story, but you were very much a bright spot for Lauren and you didn't even know it at the time. Right. And then vice versa, the way our roles had flipped then later down the road, it was just pretty cool. Yeah. So I think sometimes though, like we really are setting an example even if we don't know that we're setting an example, if we're not even sure that like, it's literally making a difference. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. 100%. Be encouraged my little podcast friends, because I think that even you just being a light and smiling and being gracious and being that like grace filled person in your unit is probably going further than what you even think. Yeah. Yeah. And most times they're probably unnoticed and unrecognized. A thousand percent. Carry on, carry on. Carry on, friends. That's a good way to say it, Em, because I I do think that it's just really easy to be like, nobody even cares. Everybody's attitude is still crappy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what difference does it make? It matters. Right. It matters. Right. Uh, More than, and hopefully someday you'll get the full story too, because I love that Em gets the rest of the story from Lauren. Because when you're listening to that podcast episode, Lauren has to tell the story because M does literally doesn't remember because it didn't make an impact on you right? initially the same way that it did for Lauren, right? Right, right, right. Which goes perfectly segued into our topic. Narrative medicine. Okay, so what did you know about narrative medicine, M? Honestly, when you said it, I was like, well, that just sounds like one of those like silly words that kind of self-explanatory yeah. tells itself what it is, like subjective storytelling within the medical field, right? And I'm like, well, what depth can there be to that? And then when we had really gotten serious about going to this topic, after Meg had mentioned it, I was like, oh my goodness, like there are like workshops on this and there are like legit classes on this in med schools. And yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And it's one of those things that's like, To me, it's the overall like holistic approach of seeing a patient and personalizing their care. But also, I feel like... I'm sorry, was that your personal definition that you just whipped out like that? It was because I just feel like I wrapped up a few different like videos, you know, and and videos and articles. And um, that's kind of like what I came up with in my own head to like kind of summarize it because it is one of those things that's like Shakespeare where you like... Or even like heck the Bible a lot of times, like scripture, like you're like, okay, this says this, but like, but what does this parable actually mean? Like if you break it down, it's actually much, much deeper and there's much more depth mm. to what is being said here. And I think that's narrative medicine to me. What about good, you? Good point. Well, I think like you, when I first heard narrative medicine, I was like, I was kind of all in right away because I already felt like it was pretty self-explanatory, but I was like, I freaking love this. And obviously- coming from last month and our last topic of stories yeah storytelling is so crazy valuable for us to just be able to share and to be able to receive other people's stories or perspectives or Mm. whatever I think receiving is so much harder and I think we as a society and I myself am so bad at that Mm. so yeah what a great topic of be like 
being like on the reciprocating alternate end of the storytelling with narrative yes. medicine. Yes. And isn't it interesting that specific, again, I know I talk a lot about like Western and Eastern cultures and mm-hmm. I, I'm not suggesting that I am an expert on the topic, but because Emma and I have gotten a chance to travel into other countries and do medicine in other countries, it definitely formulates, like it's a, it forms an interesting um, comparison, Yeah, I guess. And so the fact that we even talk about narrative medicine, because I think in other cultures, we probably, that would just be called medicine to them. Yes. Ugh, that's such a good point. You're like sparking all my little like light bulbs. Yeah. Which because kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would love to have like one of those docs, not to take away from our doctors in the States, because a lot of them are stateside doctors or, you know, Canada or Australia or whatever, where, you know, when they go over to those third world countries. But the ones that I had worked with in Africa, like I'm thinking about what you're saying. And it's like, they are literally the ideology to me of like this narrative medicine and the perfect picture of that, because there is a lack of education in those rural areas, right? And so they really have to pick up on the stories and really try to use it to diagnose and treat in the way that makes sense for that patient and their resources and all of that. Because the they those, those patients that come in really have no clue a lot of times, like mm. what could even begin to be wrong, like medically, not even probably knowing what an NSAID is or like they don't have access to that stuff like they don't know the simplest of things that we take for granted here in the states I think or like having access to Google so easily so yeah which that is becoming more common even in those rural areas but even with that said like I feel like yeah they have to be so good at narrative medicine yes super interesting too because then I think yeah I just love what you're saying about this because they don't necessarily do WebMD um, right. They a lot of times haven't even received basic education on hand washing. Right. You know what I mean? So even things that we take for granted as a firm foundation, like when somebody comes in um, and I've got a patient, I'm not saying that I don't address, you know, hand washing and cleanliness and things like that, because obviously it's just kind of part of our educational points. Right. But I guess I truly don't feel like they've never heard that they need to wash their hands. Is it sad that the analogy that comes in my head is referring to women wiping front to back? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, but look, but like when people, when you to like remind people of that, you're like, I wait, know. you don't know that? But like, I know. that's such a thing that like, that's so true. Like wipe front to back so you don't get a UTI. I know. But then do you remember when the CDC, when they like all those like weird memes came out after the CDC kind of like, went off on his own obscure tangents because we all got mad yes. about them. Yeah. You see the ones that were like the CDC now recommends um, sticking a fork in an electrical socket is okay. <laughs> no. Like, the CDC says that it's okay to wipe back to front. Never. <laughs> I did not see those. They might have to make the right of the social media. They were giving me life. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you have to find the humor in it for sure. I know. You really do. And so I think with the narrative medicine piece, like I do think that there's probably very different ways that this would show up culturally. And so you're right. It would be great. Oh, yeah. We need to get a, a few more like international people yeah. like to be joining us. And I did try to get a doc um, to join us from narrative medicine. It's not quite as easy as what you would think. Um, but 
Em and I did our own research on this. And like I said, I totally invite you guys to like dive into it yourself because it's just interesting. And Em, just like you, I realized that there are a lot of programs out there. Temple was the one that I found immediately. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's other ones. Columbia. Columbia and Brown University. Which is really great. Like these are big name universities. So I love, actually I was looking at the Temple course schedule for like a certificate in narrative medicine and I was like do I need a certificate in <laughs> medicine because it sounded so interesting um, yes so you kind of started to like unpack it but do you want to finish unpacking like what you had found about narrative medicine and sure and yeah like the psychoanalysis part is so interesting to me because I feel like lately I have been trying really hard to be a better listener and so picking up on what people are saying and how they're saying it and is there a break in their sentence and what hand gestures are they using like it seems like a lot of the programs go into like depth of all of that and like seriously being an expert listener and so that was super interesting to me um what else did I find that was big? I really liked Brown University. I put a little YouTube video out and it said that they did a um, research-based analysis. And I'm not sure if it's actually like written or documented anywhere. It didn't go into that depth, depths of that. But it said that they did a study on veterans. And it showed that when narrative medicine, after being like taught to a cohort, was applied to this, this study group, that the patients themselves who were utilizing the control of narrative medicine and narrative listening, that group had less documented chronic pain and yes. less, less expressed chronic pain. And on the other side of it, those physicians then also had less um, documented um, burnout and, and like emotional exhaustion. And so that was super cool to hear. In addition to like in my head, I'm like, okay. Yes, but, like, who has time for narrative medicine? Like, let's be real. Like, I talked to an NP who's doing urgent care stuff, and she's just filtering out patients left and right, has no time to pee, like, no time to really chit-chat. So, like, okay, where does this come in? And then it's, like, there's a lot of talks on, like, okay, but all the more to become an expert in narrative medicine, to be able to apply these tools from this tool bag that help you better execute and work harder or work smarter, not harder. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think those were probably the two things that I really took away from with this um, that were like applicable. That's I love it. Yeah. What about you? What did you find? Did you? I feel like finding like the history to this was kind of challenging to give you like a background of it. But I know like the only thing I really found was like in the two thousand, like in the two thousand range. Um, gosh, what was her name? Rita. Rita. Yeah. Had talked about it and like kind of labeled herself as like really speaking about it first. Yeah. Um, but like then there were like 11. Was it? Okay. And then I had found like, cause her articles were from like 2006, 2007. So I wonder oh, if maybe like, it was. well, maybe it was the Ted talk. Was okay. That, that that's I was probably when, because I think like she had some earlier dated articles. Um, but like as early as 1960s, sociologists have been studying like medical professionals having a detached like concern and detached practice and how that makes everything safer for them rather than applying empathy and so recent studies are truly showing that the engaged concern is much more of a disciplined and proper reflection on the physicians that make them better in their off days and on days yep 
which I really thought was cool. Because it seemed like a lot of times. Okay, so one of the things that I found, I feel like I'm kind of like going to be jumping around, but I want to like respond to what you had just said. Yes. Um. So. Hold on. In an article, I literally was like taking screenshots because I wanted to have it in front of me. Um, There was an article in 2018 in the Journal of Internal General Medicine that said 11 seconds is how long a doctor will listen to a patient on average before interrupting them. Oh, I'm sure. So I feel like it says it's an absurdly small window in which to explain your health concerns. But from many doctors' point of views, it's also necessary. They're under pressure to get you out the door in 15 minutes. And so I think when you're talking about like narrative medicine, also better supporting our physicians and Mm -hmm. decreasing their burnout, because most people didn't go into medicine to have this horrible revolving door where we are just churning patients in and out in 15 minutes. Like that's absolute insanity in my opinion. And so I think for the doctors to be able to feel like they actually connected with our patient and made a tangible difference in a way that the patient themselves would say was a quality interaction. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously like we're going to prescribe you a pill because your blood pressure is too high and that made a tangible difference. But I don't know that a patient necessarily is having this like warm, fuzzy, feel good moment with their doctor just because they wrote them a prescription and they walked out the door. Right. So Which it's that happening. Point. It's the relationship. Right. Um, and I think like even us as like, as I'm becoming more of a person that is making more visits for myself, you know, I think it is crazy how much I will like not go back to a consult or whatever, because they just didn't hear me. Like, I'm yeah. not going to talk if you're not going to hear me. And so even just because I think we know that we not necessarily deserve that, but we know that that is, that can be there and it should be there, that conversation. And some people really don't know that that should be there and they just yeah. take what they're given. Right. Yes. And I think maybe it's because they don't feel like there's even another option. Right. Probably. And, and is there another option? I don't know. Right. So we're coming down to the wire here, but I want to, um, let's stay on the topic with the physicians for a minute. Yeah. Um, and it said the same study that was talking about the 11 seconds further said several outcomes in different studies show that when doctors do receive narrative training, they derive pleasure from it and it helps them better understand empathize and communicate with their patients. Oh, I love that. I know this is true in clinical settings ranging from genetic counseling to fetal cardiology to surgical training. Cool. In 2016, a systemic review found that narrative medicine has been a powerful instrument for decreasing pain and increasing well-being related to illness, which harkens back to what you were talking about with the chronic pain. Like to me, that's amazing but so valuable that our stories need to be heard we often need to feel validated because sometimes we can't even validate ourselves actually I think we do a really excellent job of like invalidating ourselves a lot right right if if somebody doesn't agree that 
my pain is worthwhile or that I even have pain, I think sometimes it's easy for us to also start being like dismissive or frustrated with our own bodies. And that's, that's a rough place to be in. I don't know. Like that's just, um, so from narrative medicine to be able to say, here's like a better way forward. And I don't know if you saw with Rita, um, there, I, I was reading an article that there was, a writer, somebody, a publisher that came down and was like interviewing her and was like, you know, in my own mind, I thought, yeah, 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 I understand. And this is all great with the warm and fuzzies. But like, again, you're still beholden to this time frame. So what's going to happen in 15 minutes, you know, when you haven't even started to scratch the surface. And so they put themselves into the position and let Rita be the physician to them. And they literally went through, like, she was just like, hi, how are you doing today? Tell me what has brought you in. And then just proceeds to sit there and listen and ask other, like, inquiring questions. Right. And the, um, the individual who's having this all done was, like, sharing about how he was feeling, like, heard and accepted. And just really, like, she, you know, was truly trying to, like, get to the foundation and roots of whatever the problem was that had brought him in that day. Right. And so when it all wrapped up and he really felt validated and all of that, he looked at his watch. How many minutes do you think had gone by? Mm, Because you're asking, I'm going to say 15, 13 minutes. Wow. And he was like, okay. Okay there's something to this because I I don't know if anybody else knows, but like, why do we have such a quick revolving door with our patients? It goes back to like years ago in the nineties when we went to these, um, Medicare, like, what am I trying to say? Standards. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Like we know now, like patients can't stay in hospitals for longer than X amount of days, or they have to like meet these qualifiers, right? Like there's certain criteria, Right. That a doctor has to actually like say in their note or whatever. And a lot of that started in 1990, which is where when we went to this like 15 minute time frame because they ran some sort of like logistics on it. And, you know, what came out was like you should be able to be in and out with your patient in 15 minutes. Like there was an algorithm right. that was used. And that's basically where we ended up getting the 15 minutes with our patients. And I'm like, Mm. not only is it super frustrating, that's only 15 minutes, but it wasn't even determined by doctors. Like so much of our healthcare is dictated by individuals that are not even in the field. Yes. Ew. Right. I hate that. Ugh. Yeah. I know. I know. I don't want to end on like a negative. I know. I think it's good to know the back end of it because I think too sometimes that we can just look at physicians and just feel maybe not as much compassion because they're rushing in and out of our patients' rooms. And, you know, I barely got a chance to ask them my questions and my concerns and they could barely write an order for me before they're back out into the other patient. And like, they're kind of, you know, having their feet held to the fire too, in a lot of ways. A hundred percent. And so when we're talking about compassion, when we're talking about empathy and being a better listener, I think not only is it going to work really well from healthcare professional 
to patient, but I also think between colleagues. Yeah. I was just thinking that before you said yeah, it. I knew you were because mm. you were just talking about working on being like a better listener for yourself. Yes. And us holding each other's stories. Oh, that sounds like a great next podcast opener. Next podcast opener. Okay, guys. So we will see you then. Happy Monday or whatever day you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you.